Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto, is joining us. Gonzo, the su- also known as Super G. Today's a very exciting day because I hope you have your notebooks ready. We are about to get an educational course from our good friend, Waters of Bustle. Always excited to have you, Waters, and I'm excited to learn. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how it all starts in London. With the global agenda becoming stronger by the day, we show our listeners how European nations are preparing to open the financial floodgates. A new Bloomberg survey reveals 22% of American women are planning on buying crypto in the next 12 months, while Klaus Schwab states that four out of every 10 millennials are looking to enter this market. Ripple documents revealed their argument against the SEC, providing clear evidence from other regulators stating XRP was considered a virtual currency. Quant Network continues to make waves throughout the banking sector, and we ask our special guests some pivotal questions about the crypto market, showing our listeners this market is driven by ancient code. Our show show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, Our show is live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So waters above, I'm going straight to you this morning, and I'd like to hear your thought about what I just said. Is this market driven by ancient code, and how are you feeling this morning? Always excited to have you on the show. Uh, Mute button, waters. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on. It's amazing to be with you guys again. Um, I believe I'm unmuted. (laughs) But anyways, yeah, well, what runs this market is definitely not what most people believe. And that's evident because if it was that easy, we would be seeing a lot more people successful in these markets, right? So you can pretty much just guess that if less than 10% of the market participants are able to become wealthy and successful, then there must be something here that's confusing most people. So, you know, once you kind of dive deeper into what's going on in the world with whatever it might be, just something as simple as the the lunar cycle could be driving the way that people behave. So if people do believe that markets are going up and down because there's buyers and sellers and there's exhaustion of selling and exhaustion of buying, and that's creating these bull runs and bear markets and whatever cyclical nature You could look to the lunar cycle where the full moon is a night where we have the most crimes committed. We have the anyone who works at a hospital be able to let you know that, you know, you have more people being rushed to the ER. There's more robberies. There's more murders. So, I mean, look at Halloween. That's been a time frame where we have a lot of energy in the world. Eclipses are a time where we have a lot of energy changing in the world. Anyone who follows astrology at all, they know about Mercury station retrograde, all this stuff. It's been playing a role on the behavior of humanity and if humans are the ones that are moving the markets if that's what people believe therefore there's a mechanism that's moving the people so in my work i'm kind of just diving deeper into the machinations of markets and what's going on here and whether people believe that or they don't i have over a year and a half of videos that people could go back and watch and see exactly why the things are happening the way they are just like my last video that came out yesterday you know we talked a little bit about this idea of a solar eclipse pump and we got it and the next thing we're looking forward to is the lunar eclipse in the beginning of november and it's probably going to bring you some downside energy so we'll keep track of this as the time goes but it's been uh, definitely a fun ride keeping uh 
keeping focused on this market over the past two years, it's a very special time. And most people, when they're focused on markets is when it's really, really positive, when it's bullish. But I believe the ones who are going to become the most successful in this market are the ones who are paying attention to markets in moments like this. Jordan, I'd love to bring up something that you said. We are going from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. And anybody who studies these cycles knows that the age of Pisces is the most religious sign. What's interesting about the age of Aquarius is that typically these things like numerology and geometria and things that I'm trying to become familiar with, they tend to go mainstream. So I'd love to hear you speak to that and about the impact that you think numerology and geometria. Why are all these things coming to fruition as we enter the age of Aquarius? Well, they've always been. They've always been there. You know, gematria and Greek isopsophy, these are old. They're very, very ancient systems, and uh, they predate the English language. So there's nothing really new under the sun. It's just people are distracted. People are just distracted, you know? So when I started to dive deeper into mythology, for instance, it's not like I was learning anything new. I was studying something that's thousands of years old and quite plagiarized actually into the modern Abrahamic religion religion. So you could see that these top three religions that are being practiced, I mean, regardless of where you stand on it, you're getting this all being borrowed information that goes back to this Gnosticism, the ancient, ancient history of verbal tradition. And even some of the uh, pictures you get of paintings or cave uh, carvings and this kind of stuff, it's, it's showing you the same process over and over again of what these people believed in and what they uh, thought had an importance in whether it was their life or their ability to sustain life, right? Because that's so important. Today's day and age, what's kind of interesting is we have so much technology, but we're not really that advanced, especially not that advanced consciously. So we're not really doing anything with these technologies and we're not doing so well at working together as a species. This is why we're having the problems we're having in the world. So with this age of Aquarius, I think you're going to start to see things are going to be reprioritized. People are actually going to start to find uh, things of the past to be a lesser importance because it's only been used to control and manipulate and kind of keep man in an infinite prison of his own consciousness. And now I think we're seeing people break free from that slowly, especially over the past two years. So with that, with that change of energy and vibrational frequency in our realm, you're seeing people like me come and re-remember. It's like we're wiping away the amnesia of these ancient practices and knowing that these words and the numbers and everything, it has a way deeper meaning than what we got. One last thing to say is if you just study the Hebrew language, you can see on the individual, like just the letters themselves have so much meaning. And if you see the numbers connected to the uh, actual letters, you see even that has a deeper meaning. So this has been forgotten. And it's sad, actually, because we are a peoples that don't even know the words that are coming out of our mouth as we're speaking them. All we know is the definitions, but we don't really know the makeup or the actual breakdown or the etymology, if you will. Well, so that's sad. I get a quick comment on this. So I watched an interesting, and we're going to get into the crypto topics, obviously, but I'd like to get some thoughts. The English language and the vibration it creates, the pace of our verbatim. It's something that has been very manipulative and very constructive. And I think that we're portraying a vibration that we don't understand. So when you dive into the meaning of the words and letters, I think that's one aspect. But what do you think about the vibration of the English language? And then we're going to get into some of the, uh, some of the crypto topics we have planned for today. <laughs> Um, well, the language in and of itself, it comes back to intent. So if you actually feel that positive intent or if you feel the negative or hateful or fearful like energy in, in your being and then you speak, well, it carries that frequency with it. So like this is what's so funny about people getting offended by curse words is like the curse word has no meaning. It only has what you believe it, it means. So like if you're from Bangladesh and you're speaking to somebody uh, who's in China who, who knows Cantonese and you're speaking Urdu, like, you know, and you're saying the F word a bunch of times, like they don't even know what you're saying. And if you were smiling at them as you were saying it, they would think you're saying something positive and nice to them. So language in and of itself is just this big mishmash of nonsense that, you know, think of the Tower of Babel story. What, what makes it important, again, is when we wake up to what it is that the intention and the, the feeling that we put into the words. 
instead of now we get frustrated very easily we get very upset for for almost no reason and it's typically because we've gotten used to conveniences and this comes back to us talking about technology you know you'll see somebody who's trying to load up a website on their cell phone and it takes five seconds too long and they start like freaking out and it's like dude you have a fucking computer in your palms like if we were to look at the people 25 years ago and you were complaining about the web page taking too long to load on your phone computer pocket computer thing these people would be like think you're the jetsons you know but as we get too too used to the world of ordering uber eats and just having all this instant gratification it bleeds into people's uh, you know being so that's why people aren't doing so well at investing if you want me to bring this back into the investing thing they want instant gratification. They want to become millionaires, but they don't want to ask the questions of how to become wealthy. They don't actually want to know the process. All they care about is driving Lambos. Thank you, Waters. I didn't know if you wanted to end it there. We're going to go into our introductions because I have so many questions for you guys. But let's hear from Gonzo and Johnny K this morning. Johnny, I'm going to kick it to you and we're going to end with Gonzo. What's on your mind, my friend? Thank you for being here. And I want to remind you, end that mute, that mute notification. All right. So first of all, let me just say good morning to all the warrior maniacs that show up today every day. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. I also want to give a shout out to the wolf pack. Oh, they're out there too. So thank you for joining us today. I'm a terrible wolf pack wolf. But anyway, I'm always excited when, 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 when waters above is on abs, because the coolest thing about this is, you know, even at my age, you always learn something new every day. And every time we have waters on the show, I always learn something new so i'm excited i can't wait to hop into it and see what i learned today but waters thank you so much for being on the show we love you we appreciate you and we're glad you're an honorary member of the 3t warrior academy another honorary member of our 3t warrior academy we got gonzo joining us today gonzo water's already dropped some gems but we're going to dive into some xrp and a little bit of how it all starts in london before we get into that how are you feeling this morning gonzo i'm doing good man good morning good morning everybody good morning warriors Wolfpack. um Man, I just love anytime that I'm on with Jordan. I mean, it's just a true blessing. Like I, I was just very lucky that when I came into the crypto space, I found Coach Davey and I found Waters. And so I was able to take his mastermind course when it was kind of still active. I was a few months behind. So I was able to kind of see, I didn't know anything about Gamatria numerology, but I was able to see it like as it went through and how he made his calls and then the technical analysis part, right? A lot of my technical analysis that I do comes from him, what I learned from him. So Super appreciative. Uh, anytime I'm with you guys, it's awesome. So I uh, love you and uh, it's going to be a great show. Awesome. And let's get right into our content. We're going to start this show the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto. You get access to every single member of our team. So go smash that follow button. Johnny Crypto, check out the Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index. I didn't even see this until right now. We are sitting at a 33. This is an exciting day for all of our listeners because we've been in the 20 to 25 range for about two months straight. So that's pretty exciting. But we got water. So we're going to head right past that and get into the total coin market cap. We are sitting at $1 trillion. We have broken the $1 trillion mark this morning. Bitcoin is 40% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. Got Bitcoin sitting at 20,800. Ethereum is almost 1,600. XRP is 46 cents. Cardano is 40 cents. Chainlink is $7. Algorand is 33 cents. And Quant is 176. Dollars this morning, but let's get into the some more important news because we got waters above joining the show, and I want to start off with this graphic right here. We had a candle and we went to a light bulb. We had a horse and we went to a car. We had a newspaper and we went to the laptop. We had Bitcoin, and now we are moving into XRP <laughs> waters. So I'd love to get some thoughts from you there, and then I'm going to show you a document that I know you're going to find interesting. So we deep dove into Ripple's argument against the SEC, and we found some clear statements from the Department of Justice as well as FinCEN stating that XRP was a virtual currency. But before we dive into that, what do you think about this graphic here? It's like, why can't we just have both, bro? Like, why do we always have to like play this game of like, you know, like, I don't know. See, this is what makes me and, and the family that we've grown here just so much more advanced because like we don't perceive reality this way. This way of, per of perception is damaging people from designing a really sophisticated investment thesis and actually being able to create a portfolio that is sustainable and long-term and sensible. I mean, look at if, if someone showed this, this graphic when XRP was 12 cents back during uh, the pandemic starting out in March, and that was their, their uh, idea behind, you know, 
shitting on Bitcoin and saying that XRP is the better investment. Like if I'm, I'm, I'm postulating that's the purpose of an image like this is to try to like be negative about one and prove that the other is, it has yeah. is, is better in whatever way, shape or form. But we got to remember retail cares about one thing and one thing only it's price. That's all. That's all they care about. They care about, can I make money or when will I make money? How will I make money? That's, that's all they care about. Okay. So if we were to go off this image back when XRP was 12 cents and when Bitcoin was $3,000, but then we watched Bitcoin break out of all time highs, go to 60, almost 70 K while XRP didn't even return back to all time high, let alone enter price discovery. What is this image saying to you? It's, it's ridiculous. Why don't you just own a little bit? Why don't you just own both? Why don't you yeah. just build? Why don't you just DCA into the undervalued XRP and de-risk the over uh, the overbought Bitcoin when it got to 60k and just play the game like play games stop getting caught up in all this like this is better than that nonsense because you're never going to win life with that type of mentality like you have to be a little bit more uh, mature yeah it goes into the I think it goes into the whole narrative thing we've talked about this right where people fall into narratives and then you get that tribalism and that toxicity right regardless of ETH gate or whatever goes on, yeah. like it doesn't change my investment thesis, right? Uh, Charles Hawkins says, says some crazy shit about the XRP army and everyone gets all upset about it. Does it, <laughs> does it change my investment thesis into ADA? No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. To me, it's just noise. My investment thesis is my investment thesis and I'm going to continue to invest in these projects that I think have utility and they're, and they're going to be here in the future. Hey, 100%. Hey, Abs, if you can, bring that picture back up for a second. Will do. When I look at that, you know, kind of what I see there is um, you almost see like the transitions of technology, right? You went from a candle to a light bulb, from a horse to a car, from a paper to a computer. The problem is the picture's wrong. It shouldn't be a Bitcoin there. That should be cash. You know, what we're going is a transition from, you know, currency or cash or gold or silver to some some new form, right, of a... No, what, no, what, what should be there is a picture of a CBDC logo created by the Federal <laughs> yeah. Reserve System. Actually, you know what? You're you're right, Waters. That's, That's exactly. what it should be. Yeah. You're it right. Should be, you know what it should yeah. be? It should be a picture of cash turning into your Apple it's, wallet ID that yes. you're going to fucking have a facial recognition scan. See, people just are so disconnected from reality that yeah. they're still playing this Bitcoin XRP game, all it's right? Not, right. And, and, and you're going to continue to lose. Like yep. if you think that XRP, the token, the token that you currently have is going to be distributed by government banks, then you are in, in La La Land. Exactly. You're in a you're in a you're in a like go watch Black Mirror and you'll see what that's about. Like if they're giving you investment opportunities right now before they become something that you're forced into because of whatever legislation changes or regulations or anything down the pipe pipeline like that. That's just so um, it's like a dreamer's reality. And I'll uh, by the way, by the way, XRP is my XRP is my second biggest holding. So I'm not here. I'm not here who's trying to say that it's not, you know, it's a, it's an incredible investment. It's undervalued. It's a project I cover in every single piece of content I put out. Every podcast I do every week, every YouTube video I put out every week, I am covering this project. So I've gotten a lot of hate from the XRP army, even though I'm one of the few that's calmly with no emotion teaching the skills of the actual reading of the charts, projection of price targets, what energy is going to come to the market and when. It's the closest thing you could get to timing. So with this yeah. being said, I just want to like preface that, that like what I'm saying about crypto and all this stuff, you know, I, I've gotten to a place where, of course, I don't need to, uh, uh, what's the word? Like the, the content speaks for itself, right? But furthermore, it's a great project to have by all means. But if it was 100% of your portfolio, unless you were trading it over the last four to five years, it would have been a shit portfolio. Exactly. Exactly. And Waters, I'd love to get your opinion on this. We showed our listeners a very interesting document released from JP Morgan, breaking down how pretty soon they're going to be releasing their native digital identity. So what they're going to be keeping on this, I'm actually going to let this short video play. It's only about 20 seconds explaining the utility of what JP Morgan is creating. ownership of your identity, digital goods, memories, and valuables. As digital asset portability and ownership become more prevalent, you'll need a digital identity that puts you in control over your identity credentials, enabling you to prove who you are wherever you are by sharing only what you want to share. 
Onyx by J So here's what's really interesting. I don't want to play that whole video and bore people waters, but what's happening here is JP Morgan is taking people's data and making use out of it. We're watching Meta do the exact same thing with internet companies around the world. Whether it's Google or Meta, they take our data, they sell it to advertisers, and they sell targeted advertisements. Well, I think what JP Morgan is doing here is they're taking that to the next level. They're going to be able to categorize each individual, not only by your interests and the assets you own, but your opinions. And I think that's a very dangerous road to go down. What are some of your thoughts about JP Morgan rolling out a digital identity in 2022? Where do you see us over the next five to seven years? Yeah, that's going to be a thing. And they've already kind of prepared us for this. Like you're seeing people decide on their own terms to use an avatar in replacement of their personal face. You know, like we're seeing this happen with Facebook, with Xbox. They did it a long time ago, actually replacing the body with with an avatar and that's the next phase that they're moving into where you're going to have like an avatar be your representative it'll be your new identity and this avatar will be easy to control by government because it'll just be connected to qr code or whatever security system and i know that uh jp morgan is in the process of actually developing their own payment processing system so they're going to stop using visa um which is that's pretty big because when you start seeing everyone do what Amex did uh, regarding fintech companies where they're starting to create their own payment processors, well, what do you think the next step is? It's just putting it on blockchain. So this is all leading down that same path. And for right now, what's really interesting about these fintech companies is not all of them even care about your data. Like they don't even need too much of it. I just got a new credit card from a company called X1. It's like touted because it's this thick uh, metal card. But anyways, they didn't even, they there was barely any information that I had to input for this. They didn't even run my credit score. They didn't care about your FICO. They just wanted to, they they gave you like this wait list opportunity. You, you got in and then you connected your bank account to them. And that's what determined your credit limit. So... In the future, you're just going to be connecting other shit to like other credentials. And this is what will determine the interest rate on your mortgage or whatever asset you have, whatever you're allowed to have in certain instances. Because if they're going to tie this to things like becoming a felon, they're going to tie this to things like you feel me. So like if you're a convicted felon, they're just going to be like, oh, you can't have access to this, that and the third. And this is what your digital identity will allow you access to. And there won't be any people involved. There won't be like a lady that's like looking at you, asking you for paperwork. You're just going to have to provide this all through some sort of terminal system, whether that be online or whether that be um you know, uh, I don't know, maybe a two-factor authentication app process. There's so much they can do. We we all know that there's so much they can do because just in the past two years, they've we've seen that rollout where they've gotten rid of a lot of bank tellers. They've they've pretty much automated most of these processes. And Waters, what really catches my attention in London right now, they're setting up parameters where they want to create a community where nobody travels more than 500 yards away from your residence. So what that means is they're framing this in a very smart way. They're saying you're going to have everything you need within a 500 yard radius of your house. And there'll be no reason for you to drive your car with gasoline. There'll be no reason for you to get on an airplane because you don't need to go anywhere except for your neighborhood. So I think that's really interesting. And another thing that JP Morgan is doing that catches my attention is that's a social credit score. They're defining yep. a social credit score. They're calling it a digital identity, but they're going to be able to categorize citizens and actually tell you, and we've seen the documents from the World Economic Forum, eventually they would like to have segregated societies where if you don't have above an eight on a social credit score, you can't live in that area. And I think this is the beginning of that process. Do you have any closing remarks here, Waters? Yeah, I'm, I'm still in my kind of phase of wondering how they're going to get away with that everywhere. I think they're going to soft roll it out. Like, I think my way of perceiving it is going to be that they're going to have to create a event. Okay, this is how they usually get away with stuff. So they're going to create some sort of event, some sort of chaos. Then they could leverage on that. Right. They could use that chaos to implement this system. And however it goes, you know, they could. And it's kind of it's it's evil. It's really fucked up. But, you know, it's how it goes. So. I think that there will need to be an event, a catalyst to push whatever this agenda is, but it'll happen in an area and then they'll do it strategically in that area so that it's a very positive experience. So that way they could show the rest of the world, like, look at how well it's working. 
Okay. This is what they do in Scandinavia with their form of socialism. You know, they kind of have everyone in the world believing that the high quality of life and having socialism, et cetera, is like so awesome. It's it's welcome. And and if we were to be like a model society, right? They call them like a model society. But these are the places that I believe we're gonna see that uh type of thing that you just said before, where like a social credit uh carpet will be rolled out and i think because these these places are not struggling as much it'll as much it'll look so like such a positive thing you understand so if they rolled out these social credit systems in like norway it's gonna look fabulous they're gonna be like look at how well look at how amazing you know because the quality of life is higher the crime is less etc um so i think that's how they'll do it they're not gonna show you like how it does in zimbabwe they're going to show you how it how it does in like, you know, Stockholm, Sweden. And that's going to be how they set up the rest of Europe to be like, you guys should try this. And then it'll bleed over into Canada. Then it'll go into Australia, New Zealand. Then it'll make it to America last. America is always the last to kind of go forth with these uh, sorts of transitions because the landmass is quite large. And it's already like the United Countries of America, right? Like you have so much difference in geographical region and, and laws and behavior right behavior is huge it's a lot harder to control behavior in america than it is in a place like uh like australia correct and i think in america you have a different mindset ideology wise where you know some of these countries are somewhat sub subservient to the government and in america it's maybe more uh not not much anymore but probably more resistant <clears throat> to accepting change quicker so i think it'll be like you said It'll be something slow. It'll be something like, hey, this is good for you. I mean, we kind of saw that happen in 2020. And we all know what happened with the C yeah. word. And we yeah. saw you have the event and then you get the reaction. And then, of course, you know, it, then it feels like it's a good thing. And that's probably how it will happen again. Johnny, and if I could just add to your point, because Waters brought up something about carbon neutrality. And I think it really shows their true colors when you talk about the carbon market. What they're doing is they're not creating solutions for more sustainable carbon emissions. They're taxing people for the things that they think are unsustainable. So instead of creating yeah. solutions, Correct. they're taking more control of this market. And I really Correct. do think that's some insight into their nefarious activity, as they like to say. When well, you, it, oh, go ahead. When you want to kick that up and not bring out a CBDC and then see how much control you have. I mean, you know that picture we showed where we say it should be cash to CBDC? It actually should be cash to handcuffs. That's what's really going to happen at the end of the day when it comes out. This is going to be a significant amount of, unfortunately, control. You yeah, who's this here. Who's this guy? The UK prime minister? Yes, this yeah. is the new, okay. new UK prime minister. And there were some hilarious videos of him partying on a beach that came out yesterday. But we're not going to show you that. We're going to show you him yeah. talking about how he wants to implement central bank digital currencies. But he's framing it as being pro crypto. We got 383 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button, whether you're in Europe, Africa, or the USA. This is an impactful clip. So we're going to let this short clip play and get some comments from the group. Here we go. Is launching a set of public policy principles for retail central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. Central bank digital currencies could be a digital version of money, a bit like a digital banknote that could be used alongside physical notes and coins. Unlike most of the digital money people use daily today, it would be issued directly by a central bank, like the Bank of England in the UK. And governments <laughs> central banks across the world are working to get... Right there, Waters. Floor is yours, my friend. He dropped yeah. a ton of time. I'm interested to hear what you have to say. I just want to know what, what like casting agency they got this guy out of. <laughs> What he, the like fuck? he literally he literally sounds like uh when you make your um your google directions in the english <laughs> language and he's like turn turn, turn. sir turn left in 300 feet in it's 300. so true but water yeah. i'd like to know do you think that these people are handpicked like what's interesting about these players is that they're they're human beings so like whenever there's elected officials like i this, could see i could see i could see the soullessness in his eyes yeah like I could see, I could see something missing. I could see prana. Like it's not even flowing through the man. He he's yeah. not even a man. He's like a, a hollow shell of a being wearing a suit that was probably picked out for him. If you zoom in really close, you can actually see the strings from from the puppet. But <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting yeah, here is that we've always we've always talked about. He also looks he London. looks terrified. He yeah. looks so scared to be saying yeah. what he's saying. He looks scared. He, yep. You could tell he's gonna go to the. He can't go to a pub ever again. <laughs> this was his after he said this this was his last time going to a coffee shop 
Because the moment that he walks out in public, the anyone who feels like a human about this life and what this man is talking about, they're going to be like, you're poison. You're the cancer to this earth. And you're the reason why like the world is going to shit because you you play this game with these guys. And yeah, I don't think people are going to be too. He's smiling. He's trying to like make the message look happy. He's trying to sound happy, but it's not. He looks terrified. Johnny Crypto, I'd love to hear some of your things. Obviously, we're going to call him an RSW, but what catches my attention is we always said it all starts in London. I mean, that's been the conspiracy around this community forever when it comes to cryptocurrency. And now UK lawmakers are voting to recognize Bitcoin and crypto as regulated financial instruments. We just heard about how they're going to push CBDs onto us. But what do you think about the mainstream decentralized cryptos becoming adopted in London? You know, so I was reading through that article. The, the, I'm always trying to find the silver lining in something, right? And and originally, the bill was set out just to be stable coins alone, and now they're going to expand it out into more of the crypto space. and And that's kind of a good thing. I do want to, if you're going to regulate, and you know, as you regulate into, let's say, some of maybe these more utility based coins, the good news about that is we know that institutional investors, and we've heard it. You know, Mark Yoskos told us on the show, and we've heard Kevin O'Leary say that the, the big money is not going to invest in something. Those big floodgates of money that they want to put one, two, three percent of their assets into this, it's not coming in until we get some form of regulation. So, if, as I look for the silver lining, that's kind of what I see here, Abs, is as that comes through and it's not just stable. I don't give a shit if they, you know, regulate a USDT. Who gives a shit? So, always going to be a dollar, whether it's regulated or not. But if you regulate some of these other things that we're investing in, and now that opens the floodgate so institutional money could come in, well, shit, anybody who's in early, it's like a high tide. It raises all boats. So that's why that's the silver lining that I'm kind of looking that I see in this. Abs. And by the way, this didn't pass yet. This only passed through what they call the lower and House of Commons or whatever. You guys in the UK will know what I'm talking about. It still has to go through the high lords or whatever the hell they call the, the high level of Congress there. But uh, but it's halfway there. But that's that's my take on it. Waters, I'd love to get a comment from you here. It said London, Washington, D.C., and Rome all control our financial industry, and I'm sure you can speak to that a little bit. Why don't you tell people why those three places are so important? Because I know you've explained it to me before. Well, I mean, specifically for London, it was chosen more as a banking capital by the Rothschilds. So the Rothschilds and, you know, he essentially had sons that he sent to different lower level banking capitals of the world, Napoli. Uh, Berlin, I believe, uh, City of London, and this implement, yeah, this implementation was to establish, uh, uh, let's just call it a global banking cabal, because they knew that it would eventually, by owning all the precious metals and have everything be based off of that at the time, all you need to do is control all the wealth, and then you could control all the media, then you could control all the movement of information. So all of this was coming back pretty much to that. But the Holy Roman Empire and like the Greco-Roman kind of play into all of this is really what it's all based off of. So you could kind of see the reasoning why there's that a lot of that mythological play in money and the just all of the stuff that's going on regarding currency and finances. And there's a lot of water symbolism and etc. But what matters most is that Washington, D.C. plays its role as like a military leg of all of this. So in order to have these precious metals mines and to have all this wealth to be protected, well, you need to have a military to, to protect it. So the U.S. serves as part of the like unholy trinity, along with the banking cabal of London. And then you have the Vatican doing what they do more with like the religious control of of the mind and kind of controlling consciousness. And these are the guys that created ideas like taxation and like you giving a, a little bit of your wealth over. Um, you know, this goes back to handing around the the collection plate. This sort of thing has been embedded into people's mind programming since the the time immemorial, right? So, anyways, coming back, there's one other thing to add to this. It's uh, Switzerland. So Switzerland is like that other, like the the eye of the pyramid in a sense. It's like mm-hmm. where they could, it's it's where they could wash their money. So if anyone knows about like you know laundering, essentially Switzerland is just a big washing machine for for wealth. And yeah. this is a big reason why I know that they're never going to go to a precious metals backed economy ever again. Once they made that decision to move away from that, it was for the good. We're moving into blockchain, crypto, quantum economy now. So as we take a new step, we become eventually ultra technocratic, which is easier to control. 
So they're going to make precious metals be severely, severely, um, you know, uh, tied down to this. How do you say it? The emotional cycle. They're going to make people bored of them. And the older generation, as they die off, you'll have less interest. And the younger generation will move to what's more exciting, which will be crypto. And you're going to see that, you know, kind of perpetuate over time. So the people that are thinking that precious metals are going to do this crazy, you know, recovery and hit these new price discovery, like, you know, there is no price discovery mechanism on precious metals. If you look at silver, it's been packed down at its all time high. It's only hit it twice and it hit it on parabolic runs and it's since been uh, suppressed. So this suppression of that entire asset class is is another thing that I think is like a, a, a key into the ownership and control over the precious metals market, which again comes back to Switzerland, Vatican, as well as the city of London. And then you have the U.S. military basically protecting it all. Really interesting, Jordan. We got 446 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I studied this weekend. We went down the rabbit hole and we found a man called Jordan Maxwell. So Waters, are you familiar with Jordan Maxwell at all? Yeah, I, I haven't actually studied his work uh, for at yep. least over 10 years, but I did find some really fascinating information uh, about a decade ago. He was talking about Saturn and the influence of like Saturnalian and the court system and in money. And, and it was definitely, definitely influential in my work of diving deeper into the mythologies. So, you know, I know that um, I've been connecting a lot with Donut Factory. He's another content creator and he had the last living interview of um, Jordan, Ma Jordan Maxwell. Wow. And he, he told me uh, when he spoke with him on those occasions uh, that he was very wise and he was very, you know, interesting. Um, but I do know that Jordan Maxwell was a 33rd degree Freemason. Interesting. Um, I didn't know that. He, yeah, he was a high level Freemason. And that doesn't necessarily mean like it's just like what happens is sometimes there's aspects of these individuals where it could become uh, not necessarily a disinformation campaign. But like, you know, I, I've heard some things that Maxwell has said that I didn't like I didn't personally resonate with. But at the other end of things, I've heard some things that were like absolutely mind boggling truths that I, I still hold valuable to this day. So what Maxwell says is that not only is the uh, financial markets driven by maritime law, but that words mean things. And he broke down so many. Th I'd never looked at the central banking industry this way. So what do banks do? They direct a current. And what is cryptocurrency or currency as a whole? It's just a flow of liquidity. So what is the bank's job in the banking system is to direct that flow of liquidity into the right places. And this is something I find really interesting because you can play this word game and apply it to the crypto market. What are some of the most prominent currencies that we have today? Bitcoin which is directly related to Saturn. We have Ethereum, which is the Ether. We have Stellar, which is Interstellar. And then what's interesting is we have Ripple, which is a connection to the old global liquidity system and could actually be the solution to making the old liquidity become Stellar or what we call Ether. So I'd really like to hear your thoughts about that. What do you think about Jordan Maxwell's wordplay and the fact that he thinks the banking system was created under maritime law for those specific reasons that money is actually liquidity? Yeah, well, there's a difference between money and currency. That's like very important to kind of clearly delineate, right? So one is important because we have an ever-growing population and the other is, is fixed, meaning it can never, the supply is fixed to a, to a degree, right? So like Bitcoin is a good example of uh, money. Bitcoin's more money than fiat is money, <laughs> yeah. you know? So like when you actually look at what um, these things are, I, I, I mean, I think Ethereum, you could just make more Ethereum if you wanted. There's no fixed supply. They could just program more in um, as far as I know. Um, and they could, you know, do these forks and do all this crap that just keeps it rolling. And uh, there's a lot of these currencies that you, that cryptocurrencies that in the, in, back in the day, you could look at them as money, but then they transitioned and actually became currency because of whatever model they built. It wasn't sustainable or whatever the hell is going on. So anyways, the long and short of it is money and currency are different and they serve different purposes. And it's because of two different, you know, because of two different reasons. One is for, for the poor and the other is for the wealthy. You know, the wealthy are interested in money and the poor are, well, they don't even know what they're interested in. I think the poor are interested in status. That's what they're interested in. You know, they're interested in the idea of, of being wealthy, but they don't put their, you know, focus into how to achieve that. So they're always chasing currency, but when in actuality, they should be learning a way to convert their currency 
into money. And if you could keep doing that over and over again, you're going to see your life and quality of life get much better. But there's so much etymology going on in this whole game. And that's really what my work centers around. You know, I literally call myself waters above. It's all about water. Like this is all about at once you learn about this, like there's a reason why Bruce Lee said, be water, my friend. Yes. Be like the because, water. Because once you become fluid like that and you enter a flow state, you live and everything else is in existence and you're not here to exist. You're here to live. And that requires, you know, it requires you to wake up like we got to wake up to this. But it's so it's so important that even the symbolism that you put behind anything you do, the, the nickname you decide to call yourself, all of that has power. I think Jordan Maxwell did a very good job. Uh, one other last thing to say about bank is bank is ba and ankh. So this goes back to ancient Egypt. So you have ka, ba, ra, and th this is just the basic, uh, you know, building blocks of the language. So ba is always a masculine energy. That's why the baby will say baba or papa. This is father. So ba is the the masculine, and the ankh is the unity of the of the masculine and the feminine. If you look at, you know, you you have all these deities. They're holding the ankh. So that's what it actually means, and it's about your soul. So the bank is a place that they allow you to choose to store your soul. Wow. I don't even know like what, how to respond to that. That's deep. I know. The, that's deep. Yeah, but that's what it. But that's what it straight up means. Like it's it's literally a place, and money is actually it's a feminine energy. The moon is always Luna, which is you know Celine. It's always a, it's always a female energy. So this is important because this is all tied together. It's all about ma admiralty and maritime law. And that's a whole other conversation. If people wanted to really have their brain busted, you know, go learn about that stuff. Like I did this yeah. weekend, Waters, literally changed the way I looked at banking. And I've been studying crypto for about two years now. And after watching Jordan Maxwell, I watched six and a half hours of video on Jordan <laughs> I swear, I swear. Yeah. So six and a half hours. And I really do feel like I look at the market differently just after that six hours of listening. Yeah. Well, in my in my crypto mastermind course, I have a whole section called Gamatria and it's it actually starts breaking down the etymology and the word spells and everything, even its correlation to not only the regular financial system, but as well as crypto. And that's a big part of my work. I've always been showing people how all of these coins are tied back to a, a mythology. Bitcoin is tied to a mythology, ETH, XRP, Cardano, they're all tied back to them. And it just so happens that most of them are tied back to, to Saturn. And that makes a lot of sense because Saturn has everything to do with the land, has everything to do with harvest, and has everything to do with time. And what is blockchain? This is all based on algorithms and time. And uh, they know that the number one way to keep man enslaved is to have him uh, identify himself and to have him believe in time. When man removes himself from identity and time, he becomes a god. Boom. Yes, I don't... 100%, Jordan. It's one of those things where they say we created the perception of time, and I definitely don't have the answers here. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about was in the Federal Reserve System, what he says about maritime law is that factually in maritime law, there's only two forms of what you called currency, right? And that is gold and silver. So gold and silver are the only way that you can actually receive ownership, and you have to pay off what's called an allodial loan. So anybody who wants to learn about this, Google what an allodial loan is. You have to pay the Federal Reserve directly with gold or silver to receive true ownership of any of the assets you own in your current bank. Maybe I shouldn't go down this rabbit hole actually, but in your current banking system, <laughs> yeah, we can actually skip it and get right into the XRP stuff because we could talk about this all day. And I know we only got a couple of minutes left. I do want to fill our listeners in on something we showed you guys yesterday, talking about the lawsuit against the SEC. So Ripple filed their argument stating why they believe that Ripple should not be classified as a security and how they've actually received advice about how it's considered a virtual currency. So as of late October 2020, the SEC was telling the public it had not made a detrimation on XRP status as a security and that the SEC would not comment on whether it would ever make such a determination. What we know is that just three months later, they filed a lawsuit against Ripple, and this is Ripple's argument as to why they are not considered a security. So the widely held belief was that XRP was not a security was reinforced when the Department of Justice and FinCEN publicly described XRP as a virtual currency. They also required a Ripple subsidiary to register as a money services business. And Waters, the reason this is so important is because if they are considered a money services business, and we're talking about Ripple now, not XRP, they are not allowed to be regulated by the SEC. What's even more interesting is that in 2015, the CFTC declared that virtual currencies 
which is what they called XRP, would be commodities, which again, would put them out of the jurisdiction of the SEC. I'd love to get some broader thoughts on what you're watching for in the lawsuit. You put out a great video yesterday. Why don't you just fill our listeners in on what you're anticipating for XRP over these next few months? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I've been trying my best to actually stay as far away from the SEC case and everything regarding that, because I know there's been like people like lawyers even that their entire YouTube channel is like dedicated to this case. And I feel like, you know, I I get why people are entertained by it. But personally, like I am not a wait waiting game type of guy. Like I just take action and I know when to take action. I know when not, you know, I know when to pay, pay my attention and I know when to invest my attention. So I've learned that like a lot of this stuff following the case is just a bunch of attention uh, drainage. Like it really doesn't do too much for me. It, it hasn't changed my investment thesis at all. Um, and I've been trading this coin on and off for the last two years, regardless of what updates happen with the SEC case. So I don't really have too much to say about it. And I think people would get so much more value out of not following my work if they care about the SEC, you know, because I'm never going to really cover that kind of stuff. I'm more over finding the esoteric properties of this coin and the overall crypto market and the market itself and trying to decode these markets and know when I should be involved and when I sh when I should probably de-risk and that's really you know for me it's all about taking action and not waiting around for any changes to happen with government or with politics um, but that is a very interesting thing you just shared and I wonder if other cryptos that could be scrutinized in a similar fashion to XRP um, might be able to circumnavigate whatever is you know potentially negative for them and because of the way they design their company or their investment uh, the investors in their project or the, the the people who are actually working on the technology because this is quite a, fa a multifaceted thing you know like when it comes to ripple as a company and the token and all of what it actually is it's once you start reading into the banking infrastructure that's that's going on behind the scenes i mean it requires you to really take a lot of time to 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 study and to really know what it is that you're that you're getting into and people like me are just not passionate about that stuff <laughs> got it and jordan one of the things we talked about was how if it if ripple is considered a money services business that's actually a bigger deal than what's going on with the xrp versus sec lawsuit and i mean xrp the currency not ripple the company if Ripple was considered a money services business, think about how many other companies within this space would be considered a money services business and then not be able to be sued by the right. SEC. So it's yeah. pretty interesting. And that was, that was what I just said a moment ago. Like Because of them uh, allegedly being under the same scrutiny, like, you know, ever since this SEC thing went down with Ripple, people have been coming out left and right being like, well, this company's chain link, this, that, and the third. You know, they're coming out with all these companies that are going to like be under the same fate as XRP. And uh, with that's why I said what you shared with me was just really, really interesting because it would not be scrutinized in the same fashion anymore. So 100%. And one of our loyal listeners said, Gonzo needs some airtime just sitting there looking pretty. And that's what Gonzo does best. <laughs> He's a very good looking guy. But Gonzo, what's on your mind, my friend? And then we'll continue with our article. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it goes into like some of the technical analysis that Waters does because this came up like last week when, when, when Quant. Because uh, you made your podcast on Sunday, and I was super excited because I had been asked about Quant, kind of did my Fib poll, and I looked at it, and because you know you, I, I learned Wyckoff from you. To me, it looked like an automatic rally. So I told mm -hmm. people, especially when it hit the middle of the golden pocket, the seventy-two Fib, I'm all, hey, this thing's gonna roll back over and come back down. Um, so can you talk a little bit about kind of your technical analysis and how you don't look at the teams, you don't look at the utility, you just kind of look at the charts and what the charts are telling you. Yeah, because that was like essentially the the overall goal for uh, an, an analyst anyways, like what gets you a little bit confused is knowing too much about what doesn't matter. Like, you know how to drive a car, right? Do you know how yeah. to change? Do you know how to replace the transmission? <laughs> no. Right. So like, this is the thing, like, you don't need to know that you just press the gas pedal, you move the steering wheel, like, it, it's very simple, actually, like, here's the thing, brother, what gets you from point A to point B is the act of driving. So for me, I'm like, well, what takes me from point A to point B as an investor? It's not knowing about the company's third accountant. <laughs> like, I don't need to know about their legal team. <laughs> Yeah. And people have a full-blown YouTube channel dedicated to dissecting the fucking legal team behind Ripple. And I'm like, dude, you guys are like, talk about getting lost in the sauce. It's like you're in a bathtub being drained in ketchup. Like, you got to move on. 
you know, and I get it. I know that people like they like all this excess minutia. But for me, um, I've done several things in my life that have expedited my process of learning, effectively learning, by the way. And one of the most important things to know about is Pareto's principle, the 80-20 rule. So anything that I do in my life, it's 80-20 rule. I focus on the 20% most important stuff to be literate and under, to be able to understand the other 80%. And this just keeps everything balanced for my lifestyle. So yeah, the TA thing for me was how do I find that 20% of the most important stuff that's necessary for me to be able to create a, a solid investment plan? This way, I don't need to follow other people. I don't need to worry about what other people do. Like you said, Gonzo, you were able to pull up the chart, pull the fibs, and you were able to make a, de a determination without any validation. See the issue here with charts and the reason why people don't like TA is because they don't know where they're at in the chart. And that's why I love Wyckoff method. I call it my market compass. I could pretty much have anyone give me any chart on any time frame, and I could have a, have a really high probability outcome of what is next because I know where I am, right? Like if I... If I put a bag over your head and drove you to the middle of the desert and then let you out, you'd be like, where the fuck am I? Right. That's yeah. how it is. That's how it is. When most people look at a chart, they're like, where am I? Am I in the desert? Am I in like Alabama? Like where the where am I right now? And that makes it hard for people. So when they get frustrated because they're lost, they seek people who have answers. And my work is not about giving people answers. It's about helping them figure out the answers for themselves. So Wyckoff method helped me so much immensely in that, but it required me to study and focus only on Wyckoff. And then when I was done with that, I started focusing only on like traditional TA, like looking at moving averages, looking at FIBS, looking at RSI, looking at MACD, then slowing myself down and saying, how does MACD have a relationship with these moving averages? How, does, how, does, how do things have relationships with each other? So this way I could actually learn these basic fundamentals and make sense of it. I'm not just looking at a chart and guessing. So people don't like TA and people don't like trading because they don't know how to do it and they don't want to put in the work to learn how to do it. So it's like, instead of driving a car, you just hire a taxi cab driver. But when the day comes where you need to learn how to drive a car, you're sitting there like confused. Like, I don't even know how to operate this machine. But what I'm trying to tell people right now is you don't need to learn how to fix the transmission and replace the tire to drive the car. It's you're just making it complicated by not wanting to put in the effort. So, yeah, for me with TA and all of that, it's just important to to simplify things, focus on the focus on the basics. Yeah. And it's and it's all there, especially when you're doing something like Wyckoff, like the charts are there. You can study them like you can see how we were in a bull run. When you talk about MACD, the EMAs, where they were at, it's all right there. You just have to put in the time. And I think that's what I've learned is a lot of my time now I spend just like staring at the charts and looking back at the history to try to predict what's going to happen in the future. 100%. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say the quant chart in particular, like there was so many signs of that rally. There was an inverse head and shoulders. There was, you know, clear divergences being printed before the break. There was a very sharp sell off that led to that rebound rally. And once it started breaking like three day, five day candles above that level, you know, you could kind of start making these determinations on the fly. So again, I know some of this might sound like another language to people, but really it is not that hard. You know, it's really not that hard. And besides me, I'm sure there's so many, so many great analysts out there that maybe even have a more simple method than me. You know, like I think my method is pretty simple for teaching and learning TA, but I'm sure there's so many great analysts out there that, that, do, that do a great job at teaching this stuff. And this is a perfect time to get into our next topic. Mr. Johnny Crypto, why don't you show our listeners the smartest way to track your crypto? Because it plays into exactly what Waters is saying. Let that ad play. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, you're not alone. And it's probably because you don't have an exit plan. The good news is that it doesn't need to happen anymore. Thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. First, it brings all your coins into one place from many exchanges and wallets, so you can simply see all of your assets across one screen. Next, you can see your total portfolio value, and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands, so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin's smart algorithm lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached, so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. 
So go to at Get Merlin Crypto on Twitter. That's at Get Merlin Crypto and sign up for our 30-day free trial, trial to get whitelisted, whitelisted so you can receive an email when the product is launched this fall. Don't wait Don't and miss out on this out new and innovative, innovative app. app. Sign, sign up today, today and get on our get Merlin, on our whitelist. Merlin whitelist. It is the, it is smartest, the smartest way to track way to your track crypto. crypto. Any of our loyal listeners out there are very familiar with Merlin at this point. If you guys are looking to create an exit strategy and stick to that exit strategy, sign up for Merlin down below. You get a 30-day totally free trial to this brand new app. Really excited for people to test out that new technology, but I do want to close this episode out with a Flare Network update. So we've been talking about this, Waters, for a couple of weeks now. Flare announced that they are going to be starting their airdrop hopefully on October 24th, and I realize it's the 26th. And it will 100% be done by January 6th of 2023. They're currently collaborating with 100 plus exchanges to participate. There's going to be a six to nine month beta testing period and five to 10 million individuals are going to be receiving their Flare Network token. The comments that I'd like to get from you is what are you anticipating for Flare Network? And are you excited about DeFi being expanded on the XRPL? Yeah, I think all of these updates are probably something that's necessary to just bring like some gusto and energy to the conversation. Like, you know, first things first, I think it's really important for people to know that regardless of, of the SEC case that's going on with Ripple, if just every investor right now bought XRP, the price would be sent to like a dollar within a day. So like people just aren't buying this thing. And I remember when the last when the initial flare update came out back. Oh, God, when was that? April 2020? 2021. Like 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So I remember that time and I was selling XRP back then. I mean, remember, I was buying it at 16, 15, 17 cents. So like it was a pretty, it was a good jump for me. It was a, it was a really solid long trade. But like when I started to de-risk around there um, and I was being public, I was actually talking about it a little bit. It was getting some flack and people didn't know that these are like sell the, like, you know, like buy the news, sell. Like it's kind of one of those and it it's just typical, especially when there's no there's no promise of a working technology that's ready for launch. So all I'm trying to say right now to be open-minded and more exoteric is that these updates, like what's going on, is probably going to add a little bit of like juice to the XRP price regardless. And if people have been <laughs> holding on for a while and they don't want it, like, you know, they, they're kind of getting sick of it, you know, wait for those moments and that could be a good de-risking opportunity. Again, I'm not saying that, uh, what to do. This is not financial advice, but it's just important that any of these updates, regardless of what they promise you and whatever comes out, we've we've seen companies come out and cr actually push the, the new update. It's working, it's operating, and it still sends the price down after the, <laughs> after the event. Like it's True. a real thing. And it, and it goes to show it's you people, people don't yeah. really give a shit. People don't really care about the technology yet. Like this is what's so ah. funny about the XRP army and like the people that perpetuate the, the, you know, the stuff that's going on with the actual coin, the token and the technology is like, if you just study how many people are, you know, selling these actual working technologies and updates on all these projects. I mean, you go back to 2021, you could have listed off a hundred things, right? So it's just yeah. like, I've watched things with really promising new updates. They come out, come to fruition. They're working. It's all good to go. New exchanges, like people creating their own de you know, decentralized exchanges, still doesn't do shit. Price just rolls over. So I don't yeah. know if like, I don't, of course, that that might be different for the XRP scenario just because of the length of time it's been suppressed. But ultimately, like, I don't think this Flare network is going to do much of anything besides just give people a little bit of like, you know, bullish price action for like a week or two. And then besides that, we'll all forget about it and move on because no one even cares. Yeah. You know what? It's kind of like buy the rumors, sell the news. And, you know, we showed a chart on here waters a while back. We need to pull that back up, which shows that the, the, the spend money versus adoption. So when you're in the speculative phase where we are, we spend a lot of money. Then when we actually develop, it gets boring. Nobody's spending money. But what I really think this is all about this in and how i actually found waters it's really exciting you guys were talking about this earlier i just want to wrap it up with this is um is when when i got into this space there was a very famous saying by a banker and he said uh millionaires don't use astrology billionaires do and what they do is they use astrology to give themselves an edge right we're all looking for that edge and that's actually how i found waters trying to figure out how do i put numerology and astrology together especially in the age of aquarius where it's age of change I wanted to see, is there a way to get an edge of what's going on? And, and some of the work, you know, for the folks out here who may not be familiar with Water's work, you want to go follow this guy. Go check out his channel. Go watch the YouTube. There's so much to learn in terms of what numerology is and gematria and how to put it all together. 
just to give yourself a bit of an edge. Listen, the billionaires are doing it. There's no reason why we shouldn't as well. So I just wanted to personally say, Waters, thanks, man. I, I That's how I found you, man. I was so interested in the how, you know, how you put all these things together and took all these different points and bring them together. And again, it's not perfect. And I know people bash Johnny you. for the people. I actually have an example of that. If you want to hear it, like if you guys didn't know Waters, like what he said, here's an like, example of what he's talking about. Right. So last year at the all time high, that was November 10th. Right. Um, it was 69,000. 69 is the yin and yang, as Water says, right? Yep. So you look at the at the numerology of 11, 10, 22, uh, that's 314 days left, or this the 314th day, which is pi, which is a complete circle. So you kind of see how that works, right? So definitely check out his video. I mean, there's so much information there, how it connects everything. Amazing, guys. And we're going to close the show out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Super G. And thank you to Waters Above for all the information you provided today. We got 427 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Friday at 5 p.m. Check out Waters Above live stream. I am there every single week. Like we always say, Warriors, guys, get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Waters Above. Let's go.